Welcome to Beyond the Small Talk, podcast for leaders and educators, hosted by me, Andrew Howie, and you, Alice Beveridge. On our show, we delve deeper than the surface level small talk and explore the important topics of well-being and self-care in the education sector. We understand the challenges and demands that come with being a leader or educator, and our goal is to provide you with some practical tips, strategies and resources to help you prioritise your own well-being while still excelling in your role. So join us as we discuss a variety of topics related to self-care, mental health and work-life balance with experts and educators who have first-hand experience navigating these issues. Let's take a step beyond the small talk and prioritise our own well-being so that we can be the best version of ourselves for our students and our colleagues. Hello folks and welcome back to Vibe Beyond the Small Talk. We hope you've settled in to your school routines really nicely over the last week. I know it's been a shock to our system, Andrew, hasn't it? It has. I've been facing that car park in the afternoon as I try and pick up my children. I'm back in that. You've got to get in there at quarter to three to make sure you get a parking space. It's, it's the, the routine for the children, but also for us adults, drop-offs, pick-ups. It's all happening. Well, you know Normally, I'm such a morning person, but I've totally fallen out of the morning routine. So I've been very grateful. <laughs> My children are quite good at getting up in the morning because they're literally the one that are dragging me out going, come on, we've got to go for the bus. So are you just yeah. lying in bed saying, have you brushed your teeth? Do your teeth. Brush your, your teeth. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, so this week we are going to skip all the small talk today, really, Andrew, aren't we? Because we've got a cracker of an episode for... It is a brilliant episode. Yeah, yeah. Another, another great interview with uh, Stephen Bullock, who's a Senior Education Officer at Education Scotland, looking at curriculum design. Um, but we could introduce Stephen uh, in many ways, but he does it so eloquently and brilliantly in the episode himself and, and sort of shares many strings to his bow and lots of different things that he's interested in. Absolutely. So... Enjoy, folks. So here we are. We're joined this afternoon by Stephen Bullock. It's a pleasure to have you with us. We've, we've been uh, keen to have you on our podcast for a long time. So thank you for, for giving us a bit of time today to come and speak with us. Not at all. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to see you. And what we like to do at the start of our podcast is get uh, you to introduce yourself. So give our listeners an idea of who you are and, and your position and your role and, and, and what you're all about, Stephen. Cool. So, um, yeah, I've been in education for 20 odd years um, and I'm currently working in the curriculum innovation team at Education Scotland. We've got a small but really diverse team of people and we're able to talk about and explore and look at curriculum in the whole, in the holistic sense. So at the minute, my lead roles involve uh, the four capacities, the vision behind curriculum, uh, Scotland's curriculum framework, and also leading on the national e-learning offer. Uh, which takes me in a completely different direction, but um, fantastic kind of breadth of work there. And then just the kind of in terms of how I got there and where I was. So I spent 10 years before that in the creativity team um, in Education Scotland and learning and teaching Scotland. Before then, I've still got the pens and the badges. Uh, worked there with Julia Femby, who heads up with the National Creative Learning Network. We've got a fantastic national creative learning plan in Scotland. We're way ahead of the game globally. And then before that, I worked in Western Bartonshire Council as a cultural champion, a cultural coordinator, running arts projects and interdisciplinary learning projects from early years right through to senior phase. And then before that, going back even further, I've been a web designer, 
I've been an actor, a drama worker. I worked with dementia sufferers. So it was the best job ever. People who've not spoken for two years suddenly telling me what a nutter I am. It was fantastic. Best job ever. And I still run um, in the background a, a murder mystery theatre company in my spare time as well. So I've got this really diverse kind of bank of experiences and backgrounds that I bring to my current job at the minute. It's brilliant. I love that you just went all the way from like holistic, creative, pedagogical approaches all the way down to and murder mystery. How yeah. Yeah. How, how? <laughs> I didn't even know where to start with that. What an incredible breadth of experience that you're bringing to what you're doing today. I want to know about these murder mysteries, though. How does that work? Yeah, so it's fantastic. We get to, um, I've done them for uh, 25 years, um, worked, started with other companies and worked and then inherited and got my own company. So we, we travel Scotland, the entire Scotland, really far north, Banff, places like that. Uh, we work in hotels and castles and we basically invade somebody's evening and uh, turn up and just burst in unannounced in character, in costume. Uh, someone dies off stage because it's not as messy if you do it off stage, <laughs> less clean up. And they usually come on as an evil identical twin as well. So that saves on actors. So we're very economical with that. It's all sustainable. It's great. And then we sit and we eat dinner with people. And uh, so just the other day, we had this fantastic Philippe from France chef in a massive castle. And then other days we're down in Mocklin at a local pub doing it. And so we get to meet, you know, a real range of people. And it's kind of acting for your life. I've not been back on a proper stage ever since. So that's kind of my, my kind of side my side hustle at the weekends oh. is uh, writing and, and acting and, and directing in that. So, yeah, great fun. But you get to meet. And entertain people who don't go to theatres, no, you know, normal people, punters, oh. proper people. I love that. And I bet you get some people that love it and some people that hate it, some that are totally up for it and some that are like, what on earth is this all about? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, we, they, they all find something for themselves, but it's it, it's funny. It takes me right back to the education work because it's kind of playing for adults. So they're there and, and they some of them are like Miss Marple on it and they're, you know, asking grilling questions and I've got 10 more to ask you before you leave. And then others just sit back and want to be entertained. And then others are just trying to uh, kind of break your accent or trick you or trying to fool you into giving something away that, you know, so what do you normally do? So there's there's a whole range of ways that people engage with it, but it's very playful and it is very much similar to that kind of play-based creative learning thing that goes on in, in school sometimes as well so yeah it absolutely they, they all tie together it all relates oh, it sounds amazing. Amazing. I was just gonna say it sounds amazing to see like real creativity and love and passion for drama mm. in your day-to-day -day life feed directly into what you're doing at a very serious creative level <laughs> um, within within the the day-to-day -day job I love that the, 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 the murders happen off stage. It's very Greek theatre. It's very back to the, yeah, oh, we're, yeah. we're going to tell you about what's happened. This is, is, mm -hmm. uh, is brilliant. Oh, yeah. I just... I could I could talk to you about Commedia dell'arte and the uh, the uh, the touring theatre traditions of Europe if you wanted, but I shan't because uh, that was a long time ago when I did my degree in film and theatre. So yeah, we'll start we'll start our sort of sub podcast, Stephen. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about our <laughs> drama backgrounds and youth theatre and all that. Is and and what a joy to then have creativity, innovation. I think or curriculum innovation. That seems like the best. Like it's I'm imagining Pixar. I'm imagining the, the I'm imagining like that. We are cutting edge where we are sitting on beanbags and we're, we're it just gives me the, the sort of well, excitement about the curriculum 
Yeah, I mean, and, and the point is that in some schools, that's exactly what's going on. That's where we're at. It, it kind of starts to feel a bit like that. So, uh, but I mean, I think curriculum, curriculum as a whole was uh, kind of getting lost between the cracks because we had all the specialist niche pieces of the puzzle together, um, you know, with the regional uh, groups in, in Education Scotland, that approach, people were focusing right in on certain things. But there wasn't that moment to sit back and step back and look at the curriculum holistically in the whole. So you're kind of you kind of can sometimes start to kind of miss some of the point of it slightly. And there's a service design. I've, I've done service design training and I've worked with the service designers um, within Scottish government and, and, and external companies. Um, and that's one of the tools I bring to the to the puzzle is this service design approach. And it's all about stepping back, listening before you even begin to think about what the problem might be or how to solutionize the problem, you sit back and you listen and you learn and you, you discover. So there's a huge, there's four stages to it and discovery is the first one. So we're very much in that space. We're listening, we're, we're not even learning, we're just, we're listening and, and we're sharing and we're connecting people and uh, we're, we're very much coming at it from that big perspective of, of finding all the connections, knowing that everything overlaps, nothing's pure, everything's but And that kind of relates to the, the, to the thing I was, uh, I'm, I'm passionate about and want to talk about, which is about the power, you, you talk about leadership, uh, capacities, skills, or you know what makes a good leader, that kind of thing. And I was thinking about it and thinking, well, creativity is my superpower. You know, that's the thing I've always had. And it turns out that's the thing that's related all the weird and wonderful different jobs I've ever done. There's been creativity at the heart of it. But right now, I think it's the fact that I'm different that's actually been the thing that's then translated that into having impact in the in the world. And, I, and there's lots of you know, curious little reasons for that and nuances for it. My favorite word, nuances is one of my favorite words right now because everything's, nothing, nothing's that clear cut. It's very subtle. Things can inform each other really interesting. So I suppose my point about, in a, from a leadership perspective is that it's our own differences, our unique stories, personally, our backgrounds and experiences are the powerful leadership element and it's, that's completely underappreciated. There's, there's been, the, you know, there's, especially in education, where it's a system, it's hierarchical, you know, there's a progression plan through that, you move from being a classroom teacher to a, uh, you know, a deputy head or a, and then into senior leadership and, and there's, there's, there's not that much space for that real difference and that, so there's a real challenge in education, it's a unique time just now. So, through the national discussion, we're maybe talking about ambition and inclusion being the kind of cornerstones of education not excellence you know that was the ask in the national discussions can we move the conversation on to be about and be an ambitious and inclusive supportive system rather than equity and excellence which is in there but we're just beginning to see the realization like there's a, a global realization that if we want to do this properly and well then every single learner needs to have a different experience of education it needs to be unique to them but for that to happen we need to be able to model that we need to be able to live that individuality that diversity we need to be able to demonstrate it and celebrate it in ourselves and inspire our own teams and our own systems to embrace it before we can expect to infuse that in our learners it needs to be genuine and visible have you found that in your journey through your many roles there's been 
moments where you've felt you've been pushed in a direction which has reduced that individuality, that difference you've you've had to conform, and it's it's or or have you been able to to always mm -hmm. appreciate that difference and be confident with that? So I think you know I'll joke about the size of my ego, but I think the confidence is vital in that point. It takes a bit of courage to stand out and to be different. And, and there is still that thing of, uh, and I remember Gillian Hamilton showing us a, the video of the, the man dancing on the hill and suddenly someone came and joined them and then there were 10 and then they were all doing it. And the, the point there is it takes that, you know, different is seen as being that one person being different. Mm -hmm. The ideal is probably we're all different. Everybody's doing their own different dance on that hill and you can go and flow to whoever you feel. So, but yeah, absolutely. In my, in my career, I've definitely had those moments. So, you know, I, I, when I first came to education uh, proper and started working in a community school, in, in which was Braidfield High School in Clyde Bank, which isn't there anymore, the head teacher had a real problem with the fact I didn't wear a tie. You know, I'm a, I'm a drama worker. I'm got my trainers on. I've put a shirt on. I've tried, but you know, <laughs> a tie is a tie is not going to endear me to those learners that I'm trying to work with and, and work with in a. In an, in an equal on an equal platform we're all equals in that drama space we're all we're all sharing so that was there was a, that was the, the moment there's been times when I've been thrown into a team deliberately I think as the cat amongst the pigeons and I and I think that's where I, the great leaders I've worked with the people who've led me have been really different and really courageous and really brave and 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 not not afraid to be that standout from the crowd person that really different diverse person They've all been like that, the great leaders I've had. And and so they've championed me at times and they'll shove me into a group. And I sit there going, I must have like three heads or something because they're all looking at me going, what are you? Because even just trying to describe who I am takes 10 times longer than everybody else. So in job application forms, it's like, describe what you, you're experiencing in 200 words. So, well, if I was a head teacher, I could say, I've been a head teacher for 10 years. But I have to say, well, I, I did this and then there was that. And what that means is, and this looks like this, because no one has a clue what a cultural coordinator does or is, because they're all different again. So, um, yeah. So absolutely. That's, so, that's so, so similar to when somebody asks me what I do. I kind of look at them and go, yeah. depends who they are, how I answer it. Sometimes I just go, I'm a psychologist. Sometimes I just go, I'll work with people. Sometimes yeah. I just go, right, you want the real answer of, who I am and what I'm doing, get yourself a cup of tea, maybe a bottle of wine and we'll have worked it out. Maybe I'll have worked it out by the yeah. end of it. So it's, um, I love just hearing somebody else say, sometimes it's really hard to explain who we are and what we do and why it works. Yeah. And that's the difficulty of, of applications and interviews. I remember getting interviewed for a teacher post and it was that, is there anything else you want to tell us? And I was like, oh, I've got a drama degree. That was the anything yeah. else you wanted to tell me because I'd answered everything else with what I thought I, I should. I'm getting a teacher post. Mm -hmm. And that was like, oh, and also, and I was auditioning, that's the drama in me. I was applying for a primary <laughs> school teacher post, which a drama degree, like that's, I think that's such a a, a key part Huge. of being in primary. Um, but yeah. it was almost like the, the we add on at the end. Um, and yeah. I think that's important, like not forgetting where you're, we all yeah. bring our, our different skills. And that's a real yeah. difficulty for people writing application forms and going it to is. interviews yeah. because you want to, tick the boxes that you feel yeah. needs to be ticked and, 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 and not lose who you are within that. And I think it's underrated that, that, that leading with your difference, leading with the thing that makes you unique compared to all the other applicants 
takes a bit it's a bit of a bold move i think so uh but it's but it's absolutely the thing that's got me where i am today and now sometimes that's held me back you know i was I, there's there's been moments in my career where things haven't been moving forward because there's no natural progression for me for that that type of person you know i've not done the hierarchy there's the next step on the ladder in front of you then there's the next step i that that doesn't appear the second you're the, you know the square peg in the round hole but then suddenly the hexagon shape appears up the hexagon opportunity and you're like oh i can fit that and that's when things jump and leap and sidestep and so yeah career paths are, are very different and again you know in education it can be quite um, a linear progression it's quite a kind of linear thing and we we struggle with that in education you know with the the the, the you know lead teacher roles and things like this we're, we're all trying to get our heads around how we diversify that career path in teaching uh, and other other sectors have nailed it you know um, and and cld are probably better at it and um but yeah that cultural difference i remember introducing whole teams of artists to teams of teachers and we'd put them into their separate groups and say, right, introduce yourselves to each other. And the teachers are done in two minutes because uh, I'm a primary six teacher in this school. The artists, we've gone through two of them and they're still discussing textile aesthetics because what they do is so unique and different and that they can't, you know, you can't summarize it apart from by saying, I'm an artist and even some of them don't would object to that label as well so yeah absolutely I think one of the one of the things that's defined me uh, and in terms of that uh as it ever held you back, it's never held me back in this sense but on job on uh, on my payslip in the local authority I was a non-teacher and uh in certainly on a national level my payslip has had this the phrase non-inspector on it at times so I'm a non you know, and, and just the fact that the system can't cope with what I am, they haven't got a box for that. You're a non something. You're not even the other. You're you're a non something. Is really profound, I think, in terms of uh, yeah, where That's, we're headed. The thing is, in the classroom, that would not be acceptable. You know, when we look at inclusive inclusivity and yeah. diversity within the classroom, can you imagine saying, oh, that's a non-pupil? You'd never get away with that. Whereas <laughs> the systems within which we are teaching the pupils, maybe haven't always quite caught up with the reality of who people are and how they work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I love the fact that you're like, so curricular innovation, right? I want to dig into mm. this a little bit because... I have certainly worked with teachers in the past and I, I trained as a primary school teacher just as the changing curriculum was happening. So yeah. I was a year group that got to plan in both. Mm. So mm. Uh, as like do my PGDE, we had to do our five to 14 planning and our curriculum for excellence planning. And I remember sitting tearing my hair out going, this is ridiculous, why am I doing it twice? But I also very clearly remember the teachers in front of me, like whether they were on my placement or whether they were sort of stage partners of the classes that I had as a student being like, oh no, but five to 14 is the right way to do it because look, it gives us all the boxes and mm, all of this. Yeah. And then on my next placement, having a different teacher going, no, look, we get to do it differently. Yes, we've got yeah. these outcomes, but we get to choose how it happens and what it looks like and how we bring it to life in our classroom. And I guess I've always throughout my career in teaching and then working in all the different realms that I work in these days, I guess I keep finding these two types of people, you know, the ones yeah. that are very much, no, this is how we do it. Let's tick all the boxes. Tell me what to do and I will do it. And the ones that are like, no, tell me what needs done and I'll work out how to do it and I'll do it yeah. brilliantly yeah. and I'll bring people on board with me. 
how do you find in that role of curricular innovation if you're coming at it from an incredibly creative perspective Mm -hmm. do you get people that are like but just tell me how to do it or do are you finding there's a big divide between the sort of responses that you get and just how up for it people are yeah so fundamentally there absolutely are these things and and when there's there's a really interesting thing about human behavior when pressure is on so we're short on time we're short on resources uh there's so much to cover all those kind of kind of backstops that slow and 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 change you know resist you know kind of transformational change i suppose at the curriculum level and they're still there and they were there in 2010 when the curriculum fully landed and um and absolutely people will ask it to be handed the the things so there's there's a global philosophical issue that we're all wrestling with everywhere in the world. And some of the most creative places at the minute are the ones that you wouldn't expect. So the creative places in the world are no longer the United States and Japan, they're they're, um, Uganda, they're tiny island communities uh, in in Polynesia. And and so there are two things that go on when people are under pressure. You ask for the answer, tell me what to do and I will do it. So different education systems like that, they're boxed, they tell you, and you know, if you look on the front website of the front page of certain curriculums around the world, they'll say, this is the law, you will teach this, this and this, and you won't diverge from it unless we tell you to. You've then got really complicated, long lists of asks on one side. And then in the middle, I think our curriculum framework with the four capacities, the four contexts, and then the five hows which are on there, the simplicity, but the complexity that plans for is a really rich opportunity but yes you still get the two so what i find is that under pressure people either ask for the answer or that's the one thing that triggers them to be creative so i suppose there's this fork in the road and this moment with with all educators where you have to try and gain the sense of how up for the bit of risk are you how for being different are you and and again going back to this it needs to be different. Your individual school or setting or group or class will be different and should be different from every other one in Scotland. And that's that's the philosophical kind of issue that we, we kind of get stuck with. So one of the things that, that we do um, in that space uh, it, and what we've seen in the past is that that pressure to do something either has that answer or you go down the creativity route and every single creative school that applied for the creative uh, learning schools award the creative schools award they all had a unique problem like a massive insurmountable problem our secondary school is massive our primary school is tiny uh, we have huge deprivation we have huge problems with transport every one of them had a massive problem and they then in order to tackle it had to be creative had to break the rules had to be different and unique so the phrase i love to use is that it's a unique problem point and that's true from anything and it's a real beautiful starting point for being different and finding your superpower and and being creative is what's your unique problem point so my unique problem point is i'm rubbish at detail and planning just hopeless at it problem solving forget it and that's a massive piece of creativity i'm useless but it means that i know that my i then build on my big thinking 
my imagination, my power to be that. And that's what I can bring to the conversation and be honest about that. So there's, there's, that difference is really important is to find the bit that makes you different, the bit you're really struggling with, the bit that doesn't fit in. And that can become your guiding light, your torch to lead you way down a completely different tunnel. And um, we do that in, in, our, in the creativity team. We've done that through what we call creative change projects. So we get settings uh, that have a wicked issue, a sticky problem, all those other phrases. Some of them have tried to fix, the books don't do it. They've been on the professional learning and it's still a problem. That could be bullying. That could be you know anything that's really difficult to challenge. And then what we do is we partner them with creative catalysts. Now these are people who are not from that school. They're not from that setting. They're possibly brilliantly different. And we pair them with them. So they could be a software engineer who goes into a secondary school to wonder why they've got a, a culture of bullying and a problem in the playground, who then asks all these weird questions that they don't think to ask themselves because they're different and they come with a completely different answer. And they, they realize, well, hang on, there's phones ringing, like landlines in the classrooms in the 21st century from the front office is ringing is that pupil disrupting the lesson every 20 minutes and no one's noticed because it's there it's just taken for granted they get the teachers teaching what they love so the maths teacher teaches rock climbing to his s3s the kids go hang on you're a human being you're different you're wow you're really passionate about this okay and the respect the mutual respect builds and then the teachers then were then that particular project were challenged to take their personal development plan to the learners and say how can you help me with my professional development kits and the learners helped the teachers with their project so flipping a lot of things so there's that whole being different having differences and celebrating those differences and sharing them with the learners sharing them with the people you work with your colleagues becomes incredibly powerful at times so these creative catalysts is a, is a, a model that's really worked uh, we put in theater producers we've got a small cottage industry of people who call themselves disruptors and they just go in and disrupt and ask the wrong questions and everything so and that's that's really transformed stuff and you know with the united nations uh yeah you know laws coming in the uncrc coming in going to become really really important that we bring in these extra outside eyes or we we look at things differently it's there's so a real safety that comes with that like i think in terms of for the schools for the leaders for the staff to be different i think you need to be in a culture where you feel safe to be yeah. different and and yeah. To, to go down a, a route of I'm going to I'm going to rock climb and someone go yeah. okay let's take that journey and see where that ends because it yeah. might not have immediate impact so how do you as a leaders within Education Scotland and also within those schools how do they foster that environment? So I think the main thing is about being open, genuine, honest, real, and that that demands that you're willing to show your flaws, that you're willing to show that you can fail, you're willing to fail publicly in front of people and learn from mistakes and show that. It's that whole thing of a leader going, uh, my door is always open. Yeah, but physically, literally, it's always shut. It's not open. You need to live, you need to live it and breathe it and do it yourself. Um, and and that's that's the most powerful thing you can do is, is by being genuine and open. And, and that's one of the things that's always kind of fed back to me when I go through job interviews and things is everybody's always very impressed with how genuine I am. And now, uh, yeah, the, the, the genuineness is it seems to kind of surprise people, because I think in a job interview context, especially everyone's trying to be 
the, that job. Whereas I think if we're all, if we're truly about the learners, it's not about us stepping up a ladder or getting the, it's about them and what they need. And, and a good, a good uh, interview process and a good system will bring the right people into the place, but they won't be able to, and they don't know who you are and they can't see what you are. So that, that genuine openness is, is really, really important. Uh, and, and then that then models that behavior to the people who are hierarchically beneath you or around you or even above you you know and I think there's there's a real movement and in our organization I very very much feel it that um, people are, are being far more open more genuine and not trying to look professional I think there's a there's a kind of there's a cul-de-sac there of people trying to look professional so you know I know, for example, when when we did the, uh, you know, explored like um, inspection processes and things, um, ASN settings were crying out, please don't power dress. You know, it it puts it puts our kids ill at ease. It, we don't. It doesn't help us. It's disruptive. So the the system, the people are are looking for. Oh, you're not wearing a tie. Oh, because but showing something of your own personality in in that in that space is really important. I think. I love that you talked about that question. disruptor approach as well because I'm very fortunate and yes I work in education but a huge amount of my time is spent out in different sectors lots of time mm. in tech sector startups finance and I am often the person that asks the weird question or the stupid question or quite often just a really obvious question that everybody's pretending yeah. isn't a question but yeah. Yeah. I'm not because I'm not so sort of sucked into whatever the culture of that organization is you can kind of see it and say it as it is and I think having somebody outside like an outsider coming in and kind of going through your drawers and seeing what's going on is actually so helpful in many ways but as Andrew says it takes trust and psychological safety yeah. to be able to do it but I guess we almost need to think how does that sit within the framework of Scottish education as well? And it's there for us. You know, we've got oh, looking yeah. outwards, looking forwards. We've got mm -hmm. this language there in that sort of bigger structure. How do you think, like, obviously from a, a sort of a structural perspective, we can say we're doing all of this amazing stuff. What does this mean in the context of somebody's classroom, though? You know, if we've got, yeah. a, if we've got somebody listening to it, it's going, that's great that that's all happening and you guys are having those great conversations. How do I make this work in my classroom? How do I actually bring this into each learner's experience that I'm working with every day? So the uh, the, the official answer is, for starters, it's the four capacities. So you can look at the four capacities and you know, confident individuals. Yeah, that's great. But the important word there is actually individuals. It's learners, it's contributors, it's citizens. And, and whichever word you put in front of that is, is, is less, you know, doesn't matter half as much as the fact that what we're talking about there is we're trying to build and create individuals. Now for them to be an individual, your curriculum needs to celebrate and bring out and draw out and nurture that individual. So from every single educator's perspective, no matter where they sit in the system, whether it's policy development or whether it's in the classroom or if it's a classroom assistant, that learner in front of you, we have an obligation to support them to become their own individual self. And that 
fills ties in beautifully with that uh, idea of ambitious supportive and inclusive education it's about that learner becoming them and being them and there's an urgency if you listen to learners it's not about us doing being this we don't want those four things when we leave school it's today i want to be that confident individual today same with the other three from a same perspective and and, and also from an individual educate perspective it's about looking outwards but where you are so your your context your what is unique about your setting your school and that's the grounds that's the building that's that's the community that's the shops around you the 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 forest around you and that diversity that difference is absolutely key to unlocking the curriculum for your learners and the best curriculum for your learners we did a fantastic project in Western Berkshire called Just Boys, and uh, we got money from the NHS to do it. And it was to take the boys that were basically in the back of the police van every Friday by the end of school week, whose attendance was, uh, you know, about 60 percent, that kind of way. They weren't coming in. They weren't engaging. They weren't doing it. And we worked with them. And the money was funded because the the money came from a that uh, was drugs, drug abuse. It was it was meant to kind of be diversion activities to explore all of that. Now, what was fantastic is we got these kids in, they, they all kicked each other on day one. The head teacher was just horrified that we were even thinking of putting them in the one room. Uh, the next day, they just, the next week, they just punched each other. The following week, they actually did something, uh, but we finished early. And then after that, we got it. And they toured a show around the primary schools, having worked together, learned to work as a team, bonded, and um, their attendance went up, which also meant their, their, uh, their incidence of behavior issues also went up, but they were in school. That was the point. Um, but what was great about that was that they were meant to be talking about drugs. And when we actually listened to them, they'd never been exposed to it. It wasn't part of that particular community in Clyde. It wasn't that it wasn't happening. They'd never seen it. Their older brothers had never seen. They didn't have a clue. But what was there was a culture of bullying and a cycle of violence escalating. And so that's what they talked about. So that individual context, that knowing your learners, listening and being ready to adapt and change is absolutely fundamental to it. And our curriculum gives you that permission, gives you that freedom. But I think we kind of missed the trick the first time around of retrofitting the curriculum, what we were already doing to the four capacities, trying to go, oh, well, we're doing this. That looks a bit like effective contributors rather than leading with the four as the design fundamentals and starting there so that's that's what, what where we're at now we need to go back to the four capacities really get to know them get to know our own learners and then let the, the learning lead from there and that will obviously lead us to interdisciplinary learning it will lead us to engagement with families it will lead us to all these noble rich things which if you did as a hafty you can kind of miss the point and go down the wrong road with them and or they're just not ready for that Whereas if you go back to the four capacities and then really understand your and understand your local capacity partners, what companies are nearby? You know, we've got spaceports, three of them being built in Scotland right now. And, you know, some schools will, will, will be taking their kids to go and look at the local hairdressers for career opportunities. We had a brilliant project at um, the school I worked in and it was just prior to COVID. We'd had this, this was coming to the end of the sort of first year through the cycle and we had funding from Food for Thought and we'd bought, we'd worked with a local uh, organisation. The kids were going out and cooking lessons. Taylor Wimpy were building houses in the area and, and construction companies have money to spend and we'd, we'd partnered up and the kids went for a site visit and they had a skills academy. We had uh, money from the, the local uh, 
government in terms of music lessons, it was it was really starting to roll. And then lockdown, COVID projects, mm-hmm. it all it all it, it got put on a back burner. But it's starting up again. But the, it was brilliant. It was vibrant. It was exciting. Yeah, Do you know it's something I'm seeing through Vibe a lot. We've not, although this will be coming out after the summer holidays. This is being recorded during the summer holidays, and I'm just in the process of marking final Vibe essays, and I've just had a cohort deliver their final presentations. And just as you were talking about that, there is a teacher from Dundee, um, up in St John's, Katie. I'll name drop you and embarrass you because you'll hate me for that. <laughs> whose entire project was essentially targeting. Um, particular year groups in their school but these are kids that have never been out of their street you know kids that have have not been out of Dundee even so it was that partnership work with Dark Dundee using um, storytelling around all of the sort of historical elements to bring I think it's geography to life and just watching her go from the beginning of this project which like I don't really know what I want to do to talking so passionately about how engaged the kids were and how engaged the parents were. And then I guess facing the next stage of any project like this of, well, how do we scale it up? You know, because yeah. I guess I asked yeah. that question, of how do we make it happen yeah. that one, in that one classroom? But then it's, the next question is, right, if we get every individual teacher doing it and you're saying completely rightly, so this leads to interdisciplinary learning, it leads yeah. to all of these yeah. things, getting that scale really must mean massive curricular change right it means a shift in how we do what we do not why we're doing it you know we've got the the purpose is there and it's ingrained but do you think you said right at the top of the podcast we're we're in a really interesting moment in time at the moment do you think that moment is how do we change what we're doing how do we how do we change the how rather than the the it is it is and i think before the pandemic the refresh narrative came out and it it absolutely acknowledged that the the how hadn't been properly explored and that's why there's that third set of visuals on the refresh narrative page there's the four capacities the four contexts and then there's the five hows so absolutely yes and in and and that and so we've been in that moment for a while actually um, and right back to the, it's like the curriculum, like you say, the, the actual curriculum framework is so flexible and adaptable that, yes, we've had that. Frame. And that's why some schools and settings soared with it when it first came out and, and since and others didn't. And there's that whole creativity thing of there's nothing more intimidating than a blank sheet of paper. You know, it takes a, a, a good artist to know how to take a, a blank sheet of paper and to start on it and to make it work and almost the curriculum was was that blank sheet of paper it was the freedom and we know I, I did some paper-based research uh for the curriculum um for the inspectors review of cre- creativity across the curriculum that was that was undertaken meant a few years now and uh psycho- psychologists have known that humans as a whole but teachers even more so if you give them freedom if they don't have the confidence and the skills to fill that space, they retreat to even more tried and tested responses than they did before you gave them the freedom. So within any organization, the admin team are the most creative people because they know all the rules and they know all the way around, all the ways around them. They can, you know, they're, they're, and it's that whole image of you're in a straitjacket, so you wriggle and you find your way of serving your learners with, through the straitjacket, with the straitjacket. The second that was taken off, I think a large portion of the system kind of ah 
I don't know what to do with that. So they're looking copying other people, at which point it's never going to be yours. It's never going to be unique to you. And, and, and that whole giant case studies that are beautiful with proven percentage rises, you have to unpack that and then rebuild it to put it anywhere else. So what's more, much more important at the minute is sharing inspiring moments. We've just started to do this. We're thinking about doing that. Oh, it's that imagination stirring that we're that we're in that space. But it does need that confidence and that and that and that yeah, that confidence and that imagination and all those creativity skills, which the creative learning plan has been trying to work on for the past 10 years and, and has done quite a good job of it in, in many ways. So yeah, I th I think in terms of the moment in time though, th there's this great phrase from service design which talks about maturity. So uh digitally. Uh, many organizations, including our own, are digitally immature. And, and they literally, there's a, there's a book that says it, you know. And I love that phrase because it acknowledges that, you know, you, you're doing stuff, but it's about the richness of the conversation. It's not one answer. And I think where we are at the minute in Scotland is we're immature at listening to learners. And I think that's the bit that then infuses the, the four capacities with meaning is knowing what those four things mean to that learner or to those that, that group of learners. Then you know what you need to do and how you need to do it. And in terms of the dead ends, you, you know, the cul-de-sacs of curriculum design, yeah, if you do a week-long interdisciplinary learning project, it can be incredible. We've got great stories, Speyside Academy, do great work where the learners are going home and they're going to sleep at six o'clock because they're exhausted from their school day and they've loved it. And the parents are ringing up going, what are you doing to them? What's that? But they can't sustain that. It's got to be a two week piece, you know? So how do you scale up? Well, what, you do four weeks? Do you do eight weeks? You can't. So at that point, you then have to go right back to your learners and your why and do something different that's maybe you know more subtle so we've got you know Tuffican and Westfield primary schools who I have to mention because they're, they're one of the most transformational primary schools we've, we've seen in Scotland at the minute they're using agile learning with their learners they're doing project-based learning with their learners almost completely throughout the whole that their whole work uh, week um, they book master classes with the teachers if they want to go and learn and study something to do with maths or literacy that they're in that they're going to use so they come to the learning when they're ready to ready to do it and there's a the learners are, are fascinating because they're almost ready to go to work you know they're employable right now forget secondary just just give them a job so there's there's really interesting things going on in scotland at the minute and we're in that space that's exactly where our team are looking so we've got work work streams in pedagogy interdisciplinary learning timetabling uh they're going to complain if i miss any out uh <laughs> you know, learner pathways uh the other one you know there's uh, profiling that was it. i was going to interrupt to, to ask it. but you kind of answered the question in terms of where are those in, like looking for these inspirational places what's a good place for teachers listening leaders listening where's a good place to to hear about these inspirations and and, and to look outwards yeah so we've we've got a, a a kind of wee landing pad that we can share the link on uh that has access to all of the documents and things so there's not just listening in terms of oh there's a case study over there but there's also the thought papers so one of the things that's really flipped and again about being different and trying not to look professional if, no i don't try not to look professional that just happens <laughs> but um but that, that whole we we i think we're past the stage where we land a document that is guidance 
and go, this is what we think you should do. And I think that is the kind of, we think you should, there's an implicit thing with right through education. We think you should go to school. We think you should learn this right at that level with the learners. And uh, so we've been working on thought papers, uh, and this is before my time in the team, uh, where it's co-created. So you bring together 50 educators from across Scotland. We've got GTCS in there, we've got the islands represented, we've got primary, secondary, early years, all together to discuss IDL, interdisciplinary learning. And then from that comes a thought paper. Now it's not a manual, it's not a how-to, it's not a set of case studies, although there's bits in there. It's a mature, rich conversation about it. It's a thought paper. It's a thought paper. So we've got a, a range, you know, a few of them now. We've done interdisciplinary learning, learner pathways. We've got one on the four capacities, um, and so these are there for people to read and then to take and use in their own way, in their own context, with their own learners, rather than here's a here's a tick list, a checklist of how to do IDL, you know, because there is no one way. There's lots of ways, and that goes right back to it needs, we all need to be different and we need to, yeah, celebrate that difference. Really interesting that IDL comes up there because both myself and Andrew have like experience in primary schools. Mm. I'm sitting here with my primary school head on, my psychologist head on, thinking, yeah, I totally see how this works, how it makes like learning engaging, how we get that depth, yeah. depth and that breadth. Yeah. And then there's that bit of me goes, and I work with secondary school teachers all the time, yes. many of whom are trying to do yeah. this and coming yeah. up against real structural yeah. challenges in terms of, well, yeah. yeah, great, I'd love to do IDL, but I'm a maths teacher and I've got my second years for this many periods a week and I need to get them through this so that I can get them into that course so they can present for that exam. Yeah. So do you find in your role that it's trickier or stickier or to use your own language is it a bit more of a wicked problem in secondary schools to get this right and get yeah. it landing than primary yeah. schools or is that a naive yeah. primary school teacher looking at the the two no. different contexts no. there? It's not. And do you know what? Going back in my career, when I worked in local authority, I'd have said completely. Secondary school, totally different beast. Um the more I experience see and learn the more i think actually the only big the only real the biggest difference seems to is timetabling it's it's that simple it's the one teacher so you can flex the timing but actually things are so busy in primary schools nowadays that actually it is still quite difficult to kind of get out of the you know there's an hour for this and all that so it's so i don't think it's quite as clear as it used to be maybe and certainly i don't think secondary school are that far from it either actually um, there's amazing work going on in project-based learning which is a nice neat we can digest that way of doing idl that looks good in terms of a you know a dyw lens oh yeah we get that and, and and looks good in an idl in a four capacities way so there's it's great work going on with that we've we've got uh, secondary schools including the new new build school trying to limit the number of teachers a s1 learner is exposed to on a week because it can be 16 different staff you know and and just getting going from one educator to 16 that's a massive transitional jump there but then that does then silo as you say you know you've got your subjects you've got your things um but i think educators and, and secondary schools are actually closer than we think but the trouble is it needs a cog to move in all the different elements of it and that's where our team hopefully are kind of thinking about that so it, you need a pedagogical shift not massive but you do you need a timetabling shift 
you need a profiling of how are we mapping their development and their skills and um, and why are we doing it you need you need them all these things need to need to shift just a little bit and they'll all turn each other in the right way and once they're moving i think it will flow quite naturally um that's my feeling i could be completely wrong but that's oh, how i feel I, about it so hearing you pull it together like that is really interesting because i've had the real privilege over the last few years during covid and before mm. and now hopefully beyond to work with middle leaders in schools across scotland through our our vibe for middle leaders program and idl project-based learning are things yeah. that come up all the time and we've got brilliant work going on up in banff academy for example yeah. who have yeah. looked at how do we change our timetables and yeah. How do we make this work? And you, but what I found really interesting is you've got geography going. Uh, sorry, Banff, I'm just mm -hmm. randomly calling out departments. <laughs> it's not specific, okay? But you've got like one department saying, "Yeah, that's brilliant. I can do all of this." And somebody else going, "No, I need those kids for this length of time to get this yeah. basic stuff yeah. into them before we can do the next yeah. bit." So there's definitely elements of that. But then you've got um, the likes of Winchborough Academy. Um, who are at that level they're just about to get their first ever uh, their second ever first year so they had 50 odd pupils mm, last year yeah. they're getting their next wave coming through I've been fortunate yeah, enough to fine. work with them over the last couple of years and it is absolutely fascinating to see almost from the inside how things can be different if we're brave enough to to be different and make yeah. those big decisions and be bold and put our own stamp on it and say yeah this might have been how it's done and I'm sure there's loads that we can learn and take forward from it but let's yeah. take the good bits and then let's enhance it and make it more yeah. magical and wonderful I, and I love that phrase magical and wonderful absolutely spot on. and learners have been asking us you know the children's parliament document school should be a joyful place yeah you know and, and magical wonderful absolutely I'm thinking in terms of my middle leader senior sitting there in uh, May, April, putting together my standards and quality report, getting all the yeah. data and pulling all that together. And I've got I've got uh, standardized yeah. test results and I've got SNSA results. Yeah. And I, I I'm putting across the four capacities. That's that's the that's a challenge, isn't it? Because these these are so important. I I, I wholeheartedly agree in, in terms of that. What we see when the children leave school, or actually what you're saying we see it in the moment, but they're hard to quantify in the same way. Like mm -hmm. the, the impact you're having, if, yeah. if someone wants a number, if, if someone's looking for a, a figure, show me a number, show me the data, show yeah. me that. Uh, so I think it's the confidence of schools to go on that journey and the outcomes is, is harder to measure uh, and feeling yeah. safe that, do you know what, but you, 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 you can speak to the children, you can see it in them. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's, I mean, you know, this moment in time that we're in, if we, if we move into that senior phase conversation, the Hayward Review has landed. It's proposing this, uh, you know, this diploma, the Scottish diploma, um, that model, which is inclusive, is um, and allows for individual personalised ambition in there. Again, going back to the, the national discussion findings as well, recommendations as well. So that difference, um, so there's the, there's the Hayward Review and there's that potential change there. There's the UNCRC where learners will have legal rights to the education that they're after to some extent and their cultural education, their cultural experiences. So there's a lot of play and a lot at stake in that space. And then the third piece of the puzzle for me where I sit is the, uh, the digital elements of it. 
and the pandemic has changed everything. Uh, and uh, we've got this national e-learning offer and it's finding its way. We're experimenting, we're playing, we're, we're, we're trying new things. And, and there's a lot of learning from the, from the islands, from the smaller uh, uh, rural communities where they've had to turn to digital responses to, to give their learners any kind of option. And we've got other local authorities now where they're able to offer advanced higher English to, to, a, to a set of uh, learners for the first time in years because they can do it digitally, because there isn't the staff in every single secondary school to offer every single qualification that a learner might want. So I'm just, I'm just waiting for the learner who says, I want to do, you know, I want to do archaeology. I want to do uh, architecture, but I, I want to do actual uh, crafting of, of, of stone, which is really, you know, really vital cultural skill in my area that uh, will actually pay really well. Where's the plastering uh, HNC, you know, in, in, in Glasgow, we need more plasterers. So there's, there's all these things and that choice and learners are getting, you know, through the online world, more and more accustomed to having choice. They can watch what they want. They can watch it when they want. They can create what they want. They can create it whenever and wherever they want with whomever they want. Scratch, YouTube, all of that. So we need to move into that space and that offering learners choice. And again, difference so if my if my wee boy wants to do that where's the school you know is my local school going to offer that so there's a huge conversation that we need to be having in that senior phase about learners choice individuality within that space and this whole opportunity that the Hayward report has put in front of us which could be groundbreakingly blisteringly world-leadingly fantastic if we manage to do it right um, and it need, you know, it, the point is that the learners, the learners know what they need, and they're telling us, and they've been telling us for a while now. So uh, it does, yeah. You know, so yeah, so things need to be different, and I'm really hopeful that this is a a really incredible moment in Scottish history that we can the, really seize and run with. The whole uh, the whole uh, podcast record the idea of difference just reminds me of the the book Rebel Ideas by Matthew Syed, and one of the things that he shows in that is it's a box like like we're all sitting in the moment a rectangle. Mm. And if we're all coming from the same background and we've got our areas of knowledge, then all our little circles of knowledge are in this one corner mm -hmm. of that box. And what we need is people who have the knowledge around here, people who want the things up here. Yeah. We don't, we don't, um, we don't all want to be in the same area. We don't want everyone to be the same. We need difference. We need diversity. And we've spoken about that in, in, in other podcasts as well. We need that. So, so that curriculum uh, is is different. It's 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 getting it right for every child. Um, it's, it's a, it's a yeah. remarkable ambition, but that's that's the key key part of it, isn't it? The ambitious. It is, it is. And what what I, I find ironic because so going back, I'm from a film studies degree uh, and theatre studies degree. That's my. We'll, we'll talk about that later, Andrew. Again, but um, films, media, Hollywood. They've been telling us about this for decades now. You pick any movie, any TV show, uh, Gravity Falls is amazing, that, that looks at how kids learn that has schools in it, or, you know, Matilda, the new one that's come out, you know. Uh, they learn in real world environments. They learn when they're interested in what they're learning. They, they, they get it. And the kids and, and the, the storytellers have been showing us this for decades. And uh, that's what I think schools get a, we have a bit of a hammering in culture. You know, they're villainous places rife with bullying, uh, with horrible uh, hammer throwing head teachers. 
and and so there's a real western culture of you know schools are for you to conform and fit into and and live through and obviously the reality is a million miles from that in scotland I love going into I'm, glad, I'm glad you said in Scotland there because I was just <laughs> thinking there are certain areas around the world I have family who live in America yeah. for example where schools are becoming more and more of that place where you almost go to be indoctrined into thinking in a yeah. particular way and yeah. it's yeah. so heartwarming to hear you talk about this today in terms of no we want Scotland to be different we want to be forward-facing we want to be creative and digital and for people to be able to do the things that they enjoy and learn how to use these skills and take them forward. And, and this almost sounds cliche, but into jobs that we don't know what they are yet. Yeah, you know, we're not, right. we're not training people to do the same jobs they were a hundred years ago and good. You know, we, I just don't, I don't think we should just be training people to go to work either. I think we need to be able to train them to be good people and live good lives and lean yeah. into their uniqueness and work out Absolutely. what that means. Absolutely. And, and our curriculum does that, you know, with the effective contributors, good citizens and, and, and successful learners and, and, and the confident individuals going back to that, that one again, which is my, one of my main interests. Yeah, we, we, we absolutely have that opportunity. And you talk about the world changing and it's been, become a cliche. It has become a cliche. Uh, but, there have, you know, and, and I think change happens slowly and then jumps. And the pandemic has given us the, and there's a great phrase, the Overton window. It's a political phrase, which is when it's okay to talk about the window changes shape or size. So it's okay to talk about certain things. Working from home, it was, you know, it was a luxury item in employment terms. And now, no, just we're not going back to that. This is this is the way we're doing things. So the Overton window right now is is probably bigger than it's ever been. Educators are desperate for change. Learners now see a lot more get a lot more and they're desperate for change they still don't know what they don't know they, they you know you can live through an entire school experience and think that's normal and you would never know any different if it wasn't uh so to them their, their learning is 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 the average so yeah so there's there's a lot going on there but it is is big changes coming i i, and I, I talk about spaceports quite a lot i get very excited that's one of my wee things space love it all into that you know where's the e's and o's on on spaceports and space travel uh, for early years because that that's that, that needs to go in there and the fact that you'll be quicker to fly to australia than it will be to fly to france in a couple of years get your head around that one and in terms of partnership working let's go visit a school kids I just well, saw Andrew's brain break there, as yeah. you said. Yeah, I think that was, <laughs> I was just thinking about that. That was that was the, the, the thought there. And I was like, hang on, hang on. Yeah, but yes. So what, how are we preparing for that world? Yeah, exactly. Space tourism. And Glasgow's already the biggest producer of satellites in the world. Um, and Scotland's got three spaceports. But yeah, we're, 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 and that will be our difference. That'll be Scotland's difference, is that we're ahead of the game in that space. We've got Gallic language ahead of the game sometimes mm. brings extra fear and extra pressure you know some we have wonderfully creative schools teachers initiatives all over the place and sometimes they get a bit of like blowback from the media or from parents yeah. or from well this is how I expect this to happen and why are you doing it differently how do you think yes we can get teachers and leaders on board with all of this how how do we make sure that the people are coming with us as well yeah, again, it goes back to that modelling, uh, like us in a, in a national perspective and national role in the local authority lead roles, 
we need to model those four capacities and we need to model being different and doing things differently and we need to model failing and learning from it and we need to be completely open and honest about that we need to be visibly going there's a risk here we know that but the risk of doing nothing or of not changing is far vaster and um i think it was the the withers report coined it really nicely saying this is huge change but it's only in, it it it's not that we need, need to leave everything else behind. There's, we're already well on our way there. And actually, this is, this is only looking huge because the amount of other change in the world is so big. This is actually quite a small change in the bigger context. So we do need to keep perspective. And I think we also need to try and look for other uh, places that are doing things differently, not the same as us or even leading but with places doing things differently. So we've, we've found our niche with the Balt, you know, with the Northern uh, states of Europe, uh, small mountainous, you know, geographically diverse uh, countries that we can find that links with. But I think there's, there's great learning to be had from uh, island communities around, around the world and different places rather than always going to the same ones as well. Um, so I think bringing people with us though, it it needs us it needs us to uh, to be open, be honest, and then fundamentally though we need to listen to the learners and know what they need because that is the evidence that changes everything. Because if if we're ignoring that evidence, if we're ignoring those needs, we're doing something very wrong right at the start. So I I think and I've seen examples of this recently um, with the where we've created something and there's been resistance. But if you can show the story and say, but our learners told us they need this, or we watched our learners and realized this was more important to them than that, that's your evidence to stand up, be brave and to do it differently. It's not just doing it differently for the sake of doing it differently or for being creative and innovative for the sake of changing something that perhaps doesn't need change. It's about looking at what the actual learners need and going, yeah, we're being told to do this, but actually they need this. So let's work on that. Um, and I think a post-pandemic post kind of world, uh, that's that's more possible than ever. I'm going to, uh, this might be relevant, I think. I was listening to a podcast with Joe Bowler talking about maths and, 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 and the learning and the research that she's done in terms of we in America, we're not teaching maths in the correct way. If we teach maths in a different way, more children will be successful, more children meet standards, more children will, will understand. So her research that she's, and, and the framework that she's producing in California is, is going to allow more people to be good at math. That's that, that's her vision value. That's what she's after. Mm -hmm. And in the podcast I was listening to the other day was she's, she's had articles written in the newspaper. She's had death threats. She's had, she's had uh, such vitriolic abuse because she's doing something different because the mm -hmm. people who who that benefits are not the people who are in power. The people who are in power, yeah. that's yeah. that's a problem because if everyone's good at maths, then the thing that gets my child into university, then what yeah. they, they're losing. And and the people who create the textbooks which teach the maths in a certain mm -hmm. way in that part of America, well, they they've got their. If someone comes in and says, "Well, that's not the right way to do it," there's there's such yeah. powerful opposition. My mind was blown because my experience of listening to Joe Bowler and the understanding of maths is for everyone. I can't mm. understand how you can't just like, let's yeah. have a growth mindset. Yeah. But that's that's very different country, very different uh, way that everything's financed. But it was just 
amazing. Yeah. People are resistant yeah. to change because people benefit from the status quo. Yeah, they, they all they do. But then it also falls into uh, Alice's psychological territory that humans like stability. They like things to stay the same. And we're on this journey. And if you, you remember that diagram where the, it, it talks about inequality and there's the kids looking over the fence to see the baseball game, you know, yep. some of them can't see. And then we move to uh, equality. They all get a box. And then there's equity. And then there's inclusion out the other side of that, where I and, and ideally they're on the pitch playing with the players, you know. But there's there's a real journey, and that's that maturity thing I talk about. We're quite we're on a journey. We are maturing our conversation with this, and this is global, and it's very true. And Scotland are, are ahead of the game again. I still think, um, towards that. So, for example, um, equity means that everyone has the same opportunities, equal opportunities. But equality means everyone gets the same thing, the same offer. So there's a there's a that's that philosophical difference. And again, difference. So we still have conversation. We know that politicians still have conversations where they say, we want uh, Gerfbeck. We want every learner to be getting the best for that particular learner. But then I want to know why that school's offering five hires and that one's only offering four. So there's and parents go well even if the system didn't work for me that's what I lived through exams are good for kids you know they should be doing exams I did exams I'm fine you know but that argument was the same when it was when I was little going well my mum hit me that was fine I'm all right I'm perfectly well balanced not at all so there's there's a real there's that there's that equity across generations is an issue because we want equal to what we had and we want our children so you know in my house there's a big do we send our wee boy to it to university he's 11 but we still have those conversations because we did it we would we want the same opportunity for him but when it comes to it actually that might not be the right thing for him so we need to get into our heads that we're moving away from equality and now we've done equity for a while the challenge is to go into inclusion which is a step beyond that where you can't even see the, the seams in the system because the system caters to everybody, whether your whether your child is ASN, whether your child is deferred, whether your child do anything, you know. So we're in that journey, but it is difficult because people still want equality instinctively and intuitively, uh, and that's a difficult one to crack. And um, so we have to be comfortable with that as educators. Are you comfortable giving all thirty of your learners in your classroom a different experience this year? That's a big question because you're immediately, uh, with anything that's changed, you get that immediate stress response, don't you? How am I going to do that? How am I going to get the time to do mm. that? Where am oh, I yeah. getting that? Oh, uh, so yes, so it's a big question and it's an important discussion to have. Yeah, and there's no great answers. It's all about empowering the learners, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, that and that's exactly where we are as a nation right now with Cabinet Secretary visiting schools. That's the conversation that's going on. And I think How that's a that? brilliant, a brilliant question to leave our listeners pondering right now, because as Andrew says, that might strike fear and panic in some people's hearts. It might be <laughs> that's exactly what I'm doing anyway for others. And there will be a whole spectrum of people that are getting it right some of the time, wanting to get it right more of the time and 
hopefully today just listening to the passion that you talk about this with has given them a bit of a boost and some motivation and that little bit of magic to go and make it happen in their classrooms. Because I think although the question made me go, is that that you've just given me all the reasons why that is the journey we're going on. So you have that moment of, let's go and do that. Let's get that done. Yeah. So all good journeys should be a little bit scary to start with, shouldn't they? All the way through, I think. All the way through, all the way through. Brilliant. Well, thank you so, so much for your time today. We will link to thank your you. Twitter and everything like that. Can you give us your Twitter for us, for our listeners? My Twitter handle is at createtwitterty. Wait, can you spell that? Because I have a feeling... Uh, probably not. <laughs> C-R-E-A-T-W-I-T-T-I-T-Y, I think. We'll make sure that it is spelled right in the show notes. I just wanted to put a little bit of pressure on you there. And on thank you so much for coming on and and just opening up your wonderful brain to us and your mind and just sparking so many amazing questions. I think we say this with almost every guest that we speak to, but we really could keep on talking all day. But I think that's going to be and and the thing is, I would be I'd spend forty five minutes asking each of you to explain your difference and what makes you different and your superpower. But I think it comes across quite quite you know you've you've mentioned you've touched on the psychology you've touched on the drama uh, background uh, and these are the things that that give you that that extra bit that's that that uh, that allows you to challenge to change you know you know enough about the system you've done the system but then you've got also got the extra stuff that you can bring to the bring to the table so yeah fantastic and if you ever need anybody to ask you awkward questions you know where we are (laughs) yeah definitely